At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. <sighs> visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. I don't see any American dream, I see an American nightmare. We never initiate any violence upon anyone. But if anyone attacks us, we reserve the right to defend ourselves. When you're in your own nation, in your own land, you're in a position to get justice. But when you're in another man's country, in another man's land, you have to look for that other man for justice, and you'll never get it. We're nonviolent with people who are nonviolent with us. But we are not nonviolent with anyone who is violent with us. Anytime you beg another man to set you free, you will never be free. We are ready and willing to pay the price that is necessary for freedom. What price are you talking about? The price of freedom is death. Welcome to Make It Plain, a show where two Christians offer reflections on the words and life of Malcolm X. I'm Philip Holmes. I'm Taylor Gray. We are your hosts. Hey, we can open up your cup of coffee. It's okay, man. A little ambiance, background noise. While Taylor's uh, pouring his coffee, y'all know, a little housekeeping to do. Visit makeitplain.co and download the Make It Plain Season 1 Discussion Guide. This is a great way for you to facilitate conversations locally about Make It Plain and about Malcolm X and some of the truths that we are learning or diving into as a result of our study of the life and legacy of Malcolm X. If you have listened to season one, or you've now at this point listened to all of season two, except for this last episode, make sure you hop on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts that has a rating system and rate us. Remember, trying to get 300 total ratings on Apple Podcasts. 
So I'm actually hoping that by the time you hear this, we have surpassed 300. Yes. But if we have not, and if you love this show, <laughs> if you truly love this show, you know, Jesus says, you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Oh, there's that guilt. No, <laughs> man, if you love this show, you'll take two seconds to go to your podcast provider and press a button. That's all you got to do and walk away. You ain't got to leave a comment. Yes. You ain't got to do anything else. You, ain't gotta, you don't got to send us no money. We ain't Easy. asking you for no tithe. Easy. We ain't asking you for no faith gift. We asking you to like do a few clicks on your iPhone and go about your day. That's all you got to do. Mm. And if we are past three hundred right now, still doing the show with some love. Yes, maybe yes. we need a new goal of five hundred. Perhaps I aim too low. <laughs> I'm going to all. I'm going. I'm still talking. If you fast forward this because you thought I was done talking about this right now, I am still talking about this because it is the last episode. Yes. of season two. Yes, yes. You made it. Shout out. We to made you. it. Yes. Thank you for sticking with us. We yes. appreciate that. Shout out to you. Yes, for real. Thank you all for supporting. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you're new to the journey, I hope this season has been an, an opportunity to expand your understanding and your view on the life and work of Malcolm X. And man, I had a lot of I'm, I had a lot of fun, man. So let's get Always. into it. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get into it. Let's end you, this. You season. didn't have no summaries about the season, reflections on the season before we dive into the last quote? I'll get to that at the end. I don't want I don't want to I want to get intense first and then I'll get reflective and, and we'll end with love. So yeah, it's gonna be a long episode. <laughs> let, let me put on let your seatbelts. <laughs> yeah, put your seatbelts on. We go in there. So break, break this up. Break this up. Just plan to come back and listen if we can finish the episode later. You yeah. know, if you're on a short commute or something like that. Facts. We might be here a long time. Maybe we maybe we might be concise, so we'll see what happens. We I think know. we'll have some fun. So that's let, the beauty of this. Go ahead, Taylor. Let, let's get to now. Feel really one we, more thing, Taylor. No. <laughs> <laughs> and right. another thing, brother. Right, brother Malcolm kicks us off this way, and I think we're going to have a good discussion about this. We black men have a hard enough time in our own struggle for justice, and already have enough enemies as it is to make a drastic mistake of attacking each other and adding more weight to an already unbearable load. Now, I told you this off mic, but this quote threw me back to say, okay, wait a minute, did Malcolm say this? (laughs) (laughs) I had to just take a moment and consider like, wait a minute. I think we both have now read and and kind of reacquainted ourselves with the life and work of Malcolm X enough to at least feel like we know something about the brother. And whatever I thought I knew, I guess I was not ready for him saying this now to your i'll let you make this point but i'll say on some level it it feels hypocritical for him to be saying this because we know he wasn't scared to publicly call out i won't even use the polite word critique he would just flat out ad hominem attack brothers openly on the mike black brothers leaders in their various respective areas of the community and do exactly what he's cautioning us not to do in this quote. Mm-hmm. So it, this was a little this was a little hard to just internalize and to, and to digest from Malcolm. I'm just being honest out the gate. Yeah, I, I think what really hit it home is when you said that it's hard to hear this from Malcolm the same way it would be hard hearing the gospel 
from Paul when you knew how he used to roll back in the day. Now, who, who, who maybe even hurt you at some point is now preaching the gospel. That's hard, right? Yeah. This is one of the beautiful parts about intentionally learning about who Malcolm really was as a, as a whole. Because I kind of went through some of this process early on as I was discovering Malcolm, the true Malcolm for the first time. You've read his biography multiple times, and really all about the evolution of Malcolm. But because it was so new to me, and because I had been leading lives about him for so long, this makes sense mm. with the Malcolm that I discovered for the first time, probably about two or three years ago. I think that this is a beautiful quote. You even said this, right? If you put these two quotes by somebody, you were like, yo, this time I can see King saying this, but <laughs> right, if you put it in the classroom right. with people and you say, who said it? Malcolm or Martin? Yeah. Everybody. Martin. Unless you had those people who really knew what was up. Yeah. I think that this is a really good quote. Let's dive into it, man, because it has implications. Because people, again, think feel like Malcolm got softer. Malcolm grew, right? He was 39 grew. years old when he was assassinated in yeah. 1964. Yeah. And he said this in 1964. So he was still fairly young, but he had gone through some things. And now he is ready to mobilize. Mm. And he is away from the nation of Islam. Mm. And he sees that he's not going to be able to accomplish this alone. And this is what makes Malcolm so dangerous. Mm. So even now, you would think that after he leaves the nation of Islam, people would leave him alone or that he wouldn't be on their radar. No, they weren't worried about the nation of Islam. They were worried about Malcolm. Mm. The nation of Islam wasn't a threat, mm. right? Malcolm was a threat because he was actually trying to hold the nation of Islam accountable for what they believed. And when he saw the hypocrisy within the nation, and, and he was forced, it wasn't this where Malcolm just had this change of heart. Mm -hmm. He would have liked to rebuild and reform the nation of Islam. Mm. And he probably would have even forgiven and submitted to Elijah Muhammad. But when people see, and, and again, this is what white supremacy looks like. This is not what white people look like. This is what white supremacy looks like. Even though Malcolm was able and probably would have been willing to forgive Elijah Muhammad the shame that Elijah Muhammad felt now that he was exposed, mm -hmm. he would always see Malcolm as a threat. Mm. Yeah. Think about Saul and David. Yeah. This always happens. Mm -hmm. Right now, oh, you see me. And, and the reason why is because there was no repentance. Yeah. He wasn't about to change. Mm -hmm. He wasn't about to acknowledge what he did. So, again, white supremacy can affect us all right, yeah. White supremacy is just a new form or a phrase for an, a sin that existed mm -hmm. since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, oppressors hate their victims, unrepentant oppressors hate their victims, mm -hmm. even when the victim hasn't retaliated because it's the fear they know what they deserve mm -hmm. and they feel like, Oh, if I give you the gun, you're gonna blow my head off. If I allow you to have power, you're a threat. Malcolm is looking out. He's ready to do something different. He's ready to really bring about change in the African-American community. And he says, listen, brothers, we have a hard enough time in our own struggle. Got to come together. We got to come together. And again, like you've made, I think, the right point in saying that a, that a person can evolve in their perspective and even gain perspective as they age as they get older because I'm 37 now and I think that's what's what's really kind of personally impactful for me to do a, a podcast like this is to look at a brother who is around the same age as I am and to see wow this is what he has accomplished and and this is how he has progressed in his own perspective and we've talked about it before the, the whole cancel culture generation the way that manifests is people start looking for old 
social media posts and tweets, like something you said when you were 19 years old, and they'll use that as the definition of your character today. Now, I don't. We I think if we generally acknowledge that our the version of ourselves at 19 <laughs> is vastly different than the decade following or the two decades following. And again, like looking at this, it's just like, wow, look at the progression. He went from calling people Uncle Tom's, like calling Dr. King and Uncle Tom and all these different people to say, to your point, in order to mobilize, we need to work together. Now, I look at something like this and I guess I look for the sentiment the same sentiment in, I guess, who could be the voices and the leaders of our day today. Like, is there a, a sense of zeal behind, I, I guess, this version of unity or this this kind of collective desire to work towards a solution? Or are we still kind of standing in our, our different pulpits and our different platforms arguing with each other across the fence to say, like, I make myself look better by telling everybody how wrong you are? And do we have the capacity for something like this, particularly in the black community? And and he makes this, he says black men. <laughs> I, that hit me too, is to say black men. There is a, a certain kind of way that we argue with one another or that we disagree with one another, a way we position ourselves against one another that in, in the way he addresses it, 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 it almost seems to take precedence over the struggle that we collectively have or we're striving for our own significance versus actually sitting down and saying, man, what if we just put down this argument for the sake of collective resolve to get to a better place? And I love the sentiment, man, but I, I feel like we still see some of that posturing. This, this, I'll say it like this, like there, there is language that maybe it's just meme culture or whatever, but there's, there's language that, that seems to provoke this quick trigger response to a black person or black man that you disagree with to just immediately call him a coon. Like just, just coon. That's it. Like you, you out here cooning and it's over because that, that that's language for saying it's over for you. (laughs) It's over for your credibility. It's over for your contributions. You're done. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, I don't go around making it a habit to call anybody a coon or whatever flippantly or, or even publicly. I have my own private thoughts about a lot of things, but to voice them publicly has a whole nother set of implications. Yes. But when it comes to the word itself and, the, and what it means and the implications of it, I do believe that these particular people do exist. But before we cast, my problem is, is that we flippantly, flippantly, like make mm-hmm. that yeah. judgment. Yeah. Right? We flippantly attach that to people who have different viewpoints. Yeah. On, like, and, and it may be just one minor thing or one action that they took, which could have been a misstep, but not yeah. necessarily reflective of their worldview. So I think, I think the biggest problem is that we probably don't want to, go around using that word flippantly about people that we don't know. We should be extremely slow to come to that conclusion. Because that's, that's, that's the worldly version of basically calling somebody an apostate, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Calling somebody a coon doesn't have spiritual implications, but 
it does have significant worldly implications yeah. on that person's reputation, and you got to make sure you're not slandering that person. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, the dynamic in the black community, man. Like we we can cut somebody off. It, it, it's like you know, in one vein, we're we're one of the as a community, we're a forgiving community, forgiving culture. We, we're always looking for a redemption story. Um, there are, I'm thinking of somebody like Kanye West. Oh yeah, 100. percent You know, yeah. like he not too long ago had on a a Make America Great Again hat. Mm-hmm. And was the pariah of the black community. And, you know, I miss the old Kanye and all of this different stuff. But fast forward to now, like, he's being endeared again. And part of it, they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily confident that his views have changed. They just glad that he ain't talking about that and he's making music because the dude is a beast. That's it. I mean, he's extremely gifted. So they're more excited about the fact that he is making music again and not talking about politics because that's the Kanye that they want. Not talking about he won't run for president. But the 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 way that we handle that is what we're talking. Like, if we see a person who's ideologically on the other side of the fence, there is a version of responding to that that sounds like it's it's just flat out condemnation, you know. And even if you do, at the core of who you are, disagree and say, "I hate that perspective. Right. I hate what this person is putting out there." The spirit of what what Malcolm, I think, is saying is not to be dishonest about that right. and say like, oh, no, just because you're black, it don't matter. You you still in the fold. But there may be a way to identify like a distinction or, or distance yourself from that perspective that still brings dignity to the person, dignity to the person and works towards the common goal. Yeah, because I mean, the reality is, is that the public attacks have done. Not no no good. They haven't yeah. done anything. They're not, they're not they're not productive. Yes, they're not helping anybody. And to even hold that view of somebody as a stranger, you don't know how they've evolved. Yeah, over time, right? Again, yeah. King is somebody that Malcolm once called you know an Uncle Tom, and 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 even post. I'm thinking about the interview. I can't help it when the, the what's name the the interviewer asked Malcolm. Now, is it true that you've in, in the past you've called Dr. Martin Luther King an mm-hmm. Uncle Tom? Straight up asked uh, him, and he was like, "Well, well, you know, I, I would not call anyone an Uncle Tom. There's a <laughs> law that has just been passed that um, basically says someone can sue you for libel if you yeah. call them Uncle Tom. But you know, I love Uncle Martin. Yeah, he's my brother. Now, even with him calling him Uncle Martin, I'm like, if you is savvy. he being petty? Oh, bro, is he being petty? Bro. But this is but this is post him leaving. The Nation of Islam, because he talks about that process in the same interview. Yeah. That was Detroit Red came out. Yeah. (laughs) And he said it with a smirk, too. And I'm just like, I'm just looking at him like, come on, bro. (laughs) Come on, dog. We know how this goes. But it hasn't done anything good, man, because what happens is even, let's say the first accusation of cooning was like accurate, right? Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, people just see that as as a weapon to be used against anybody who disagrees with them. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you go mislabeling people and to be honest, calling some mislabeling somebody and calling them a coon, you will essentially leave them nowhere to go but to the other side. Right. Right? right? Because you basically have have marginalized them to the point where all they can do is leave. Yeah. yeah. Cuz they have no voice anymore. They're not heard by your people. So I mean, you know, Gotta 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 eat, yeah. <laughs> you know, and people end up doing that, uh, especially yeah. if they lack integrity. And some because sometimes people allow themselves to believe lies because it's convenient and it's comfortable. Well, and, and to the the spirit of the quote too is also to say, hey, you know, it's hard enough being a black man in this country 
to navigate the circumstances of white supremacy. And then on top of that, you got to take friendly fire. You know, like it's 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 a multiplication of the trauma of trying to establish yourself as a human being in this country, let alone do the work. Uh, uh, or another way to put it, we're already lonely. Yes. Right? Don't marginalize other brothers unnecessarily because you're not going to, we should be trying to win each other, yes. right? And persuade each other. So publicly calling somebody a coon is essentially just another version of the cancel culture. It's not new. It's just, it manifests differently now. But again, like as black people, there's a collective experience. And, and I think he's saying like, you know, there's a greater good to pursue or, or there's at least a, a common experience to consider in light of how this affects us. Mm-hmm. Now, to your earlier point, I do think that there are voices in the black community, particularly black men, that are concerning. Like, it's just like, yo, nah, like we don't need you speaking for us or speaking to us, you know, as a representation of what we're trying to accomplish mm-hmm. or even how we should mobilize, mm-hmm. you know, so you can say that without saying the worst things. You know, maybe that's the way to, to take, that's the takeaway is like, I can say that to a person who's clearly probably their motive is to establish division is to say like, oh no, I want to, I want to create this dynamic that black men particularly are always put into where it's, you know, who wins in the Mandingo competition, mm-hmm. you know, black men pitted against one another. I remember years ago, it, it felt like there was an attempt at this, you, I don't know if you remember the elephant room. You remember that? Yeah, man. <laughs> Absolutely, I do. There was, attempt, there was an attempt at this where, you know, Bishop Jakes was clearly invited to that, but then there were some other leaders who were invited who did not go mm-hmm. because they were going to be pitted against Bishop Jakes as like, all right, this is our answer to him. And ultimately, it would not have served a greater purpose for that display to exist for the entertainment of the audience. Mm -hmm. Because essentially, that's what it was. It was a coliseum. It's like, all right, let's fight to the death. And and who? But what what doesn't get told, the story that doesn't get told is that both of these people are going to be maimed. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to limp out of there. There's going to be blood. And who's really a winner in that kind of a competition? Yeah. And, know, and ultimately, I mean, it was all bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. It's, it doesn't. It doesn't produce a win for us. To to your point, Cause, further because the conversation wasn't happening on our terms. Yes, it, that's right? it. That's now, Jude three is a completely different answer. Exactly. Because who's the audience? The audience is black people. It's an internal discussion. It's but a the elephant, discussion. the elephant room was not like people who listen to TD Jakes. Uh, they know about the prosperity gospel, dog. and we already know what that audience thinks about the prosperity gospel. So why have him on as if he's a he's a recognized or legitimate voice? That it it was it was a publicity stunt, one hundred percent. Absolutely, and it happens constantly. Yeah. You know, like I, I was I've been a part of those those kinds of environments where you know you're sitting on a panel with another black voice who thinks differently than you do, or you're invited to speak at a conference where you're presenting the opposing view to another black person, not just to another person who thinks ideologically, but this black person thinks this way and you think this this opposite way. So which black person's right? Mm-hmm. You know, and that I think <laughs> again, Malcolm's like, listen, we have a collect we have a collective struggle. And at this stage of my life, I've seen how this plays out. I've seen the agenda, the broader agenda of white supremacist America and the media and politics. And I'm telling you right now, it's not worth it. 
It's not worth trying to use that energy and expend this energy to disparage another person in order for us to be seen in a certain light. But we need to actually think more critically about overall the overall effect of this. Mm-hmm. And to your point, like who is the one driving the conversation? Who dictates the terms of what is actually yeah. concluded? Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, I love, and, and, I, love I mean, this, this is going to get a little personal for uh, a second. Didn't plan on going here, but something that you just said, I think makes this relevant. You know, Jamar and I, mm-hmm. right? We have uh, a long history, maybe a short-lived history, depends on the way that you want to put it, uh, with the Reform African American Network. And I helped co-found the network with Jamar, I guess. And, and for those of you that don't know, because you might not even recognize the name at this point, mm-hmm. that's what the witness was called originally. Mm-hmm. Pass and, and Pass the Mic, right? Pass the Mic was the first podcast I, I ever hosted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the co-host with, alongside Jamar. And I think I was like, what, 20... Man, like 2012, 2013? Was yeah, that was later? 20, yeah, 2012, 2013, but I was talking about my age. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I was, I mean, I'm 34 now. That was 10 years ago. Yeah, so I was 24, man. Really? Yeah, a lot of people don't, because wow. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tall, I think I got I got into this early. So you can imagine that Yeah. getting into that, and I think and Jamar was like 32, 33. So Jamar was kind of, Jamar is about eight years older than me. Okay. Uh, so I want to say he was about 32 or something like that. Okay. I think he's 40 now, so maybe Dang, six years old. just telling people how old My bad, brothers. bro. I mean, it's, it's, he's, a, he's a guy, so men don't usually care about people knowing their age. Hey. But anyways, my, my point is, is, though, so, you know, we did that. I ended up leaving 2014, and maybe I think it was 2015, actually. And it was after I got married. There had been some internal conflict or differences mm-hmm. as a result of just kind of philosophically where we thought, you know, Rand should go. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, when Jamar and I were in Jackson together, you know, we were thick as thieves. Mm-hmm. We did so much together. But now I'm now in Houston, mm-hmm. like having hard, tough conversations mm-hmm. isn't as easy as it once was. Yeah. And I'm also dealing with some new revelations and some. Sort of here's here's the other thing here's the other side of the coin right mm-hmm. because when you're in the echo chamber and I would say to some extent I I kind of was because I went to a multi ethnic church so these all these things and a lot of these issues were on our radar and maybe and it was a safe place for various different you know opinions about racism right mm-hmm. where I was yeah. in. And, but the, the ones that were talked about the most or the people who spoke up the most mm-hmm. were probably more like racism is a problem. Racism is something that we need to address with diversity, multi-ethnicity, all this. And the black community, right, mm-hmm. everybody's going to be super sensitive about how you talk about the black community. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, I'm transitioning and you know, being exposed to people like John McWhorter. Mm-hmm. Right? He's making some intriguing points. Mm-hmm. And this is one of, the, one of the dangers of doing what I was doing at such a young age mm. is that you get in for new ma- new information yeah. and then yeah. you just start talking about it, right? Yep. And this is the beginning of like the social media age. So yeah. now I'm wrestling and I'm starting to process some of these things out loud and I'm bringing these things to like, yo, well, like we got to talk about this, we got to talk about that and why are we talking about race so much? Mm-hmm. Part part of this is because, and I don't even know if this is a, a, a an accurate representation of what even Jamar was pushing for. Mm-hmm. But it felt like to me, and this is just me and my observation, because I didn't have this conversation with Jamar, which is also part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was an emphasis on race. And 
our, our tagline at the time, at least, was addressing the core concerns of African-Americans. Now, now, fast forward this and kind of get to my point as it relates to this. I ended up leaving in 2015. It was cordial. And I even came back for a few episodes, like I passed the mic after that. Mm-hmm. But like, we didn't really talk about why I was leaving. Yeah. And, and I don't think that I really had the words at the time to describe or even put forth the energy mm-hmm. to have that conversation again, because it was easier to just not. I don't have a problem with confrontation, but when you're in a different state, yeah. some conversations are just better to have in person. Facts. And we weren't seeing each other that much. So fast forward, you know, I'm in Houston, I'm working for my father-in-law, and then I transition to Minneapolis, and I'm working up there. And then I also, you know, introduce also the libertarianism. So I'm working through that ideology, right? And it was while I was in Minneapolis where I was like, I'm tired. Hmm. Like, I, I got to, I'm, I'm tired. Because, I mean, I'm writing an article per week, hmm. right? So I think I wrote, over the year I was there, I wrote 48 articles. To the point where I was like, I, I mean, but probably by the 30th article, I was like, I don't feel like I have anything else to say. And it was Jasmine and I's first year or first year and a half of marriage. So we were struggling as well. We, I mean, it was, Minneapolis is probably one of the darkest seasons of my life. Mm. And I was away from many of the people in Jackson that I knew that who had known me for a long time that I can confide in, that I could go to. And, you know, you try to build those relationships up there, but they, they're a lot harder. They take time. And you don't really have, you know, I know a lot of black people. I think the joke goes like the only black person in Minneapolis was Prince. Right. That's now that's, that's I think that was a Chris Rock joke. Right now that's not as funny because all the black people that keep getting killed by the cops. Um, but that was a sentiment even at the time. I was actually in Minneapolis still when Prince passed away. So now I get back and this brings me to the, the, the long way to this point. Trump is getting ready to be elected. Right. Yeah. So, so 2016 is when we're on back. Trump is being elected. Jamar makes the statement about Trump and not feeling safe anymore around, I don't know, I don't want to quote him because I don't have the exact quote, but he didn't feel safe worshiping mm-hmm. with white people. Correct me if I'm wrong. I remember I that. I remember that something to that, yes. to that effect. And so we're there, and, and people who knew that I used to be, and this had happened over the years, but now it was happening more often than not. Now, when I transitioned back, I was in like financial planning for a year and all that. But when I got to RTS, people were always asking me, people inside of RTS and outside of RTS, regardless, just in this world, PCA world, what do you think about Jamar? What happened with Jamar? And this brings me to my point about this. So Malcolm has this quote where he says, I'll say nothing against him. And he's talking about Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, I began, and you talked about how it, with the elephant room, we mentioned that that they were setting the terms, right? Yes. It was on their terms. Mm-hmm. So individuals would begin to ask me questions about Jamar, and being naive, I would say, yeah, we have our differences, and I was even confused by the statement that he made, not knowing at all what he had gone through personally, right, right. right leading up yeah. to that, yeah, mm-hmm. and not really even having a whole lot of context for the implications of Trump, right? Because right. I mean, in, in 2020, if Jamar saw what we think we're seeing now, like it, it I mean, January sixth, bro, like crazy. You you kinda you kinda gotta look back and say, like, yeah, that was a triggering comment, but maybe Jamar was right. It was prophetic, bro. It was prophetic. Yes. About Trump. Yeah. It's one of those things. And it got to a point where I was like, Why are you asking me about that? 
Mm-hmm. Like, why do you want to know? Mm-hmm. Or people will say, oh, Jamar's, you know, associated with RTS. Mm-hmm. Like, why, do, why, why should the institution, because I'm over communications for RTS, why should the institution have to give an account for one of our graduates? Mm-hmm. Right? Who no longer works here, who's no longer connected to the seminary. Like, wh- why are you, like, or that's not your job to answer that. Mm-hmm. Because you don't know the details. Yeah. You don't know everything that happened. So they're asking you, they're essentially asking you to cast judgment. How does RTS feel about, even as even me, you ask a communications guy, how does RTS feel about this person or that person? They're asking a black man too. Bro, bro. Like they're asked what they're asking is you are a black man who we see favorably or respect enough to approach directly. And we want to know what your opinion is in contrast to this other person who we now don't see favorably. And we want you to reinforce our concerns. 100%. That's what that's that's what that is. Like it, it was a litmus test for are you safe? That's it. That's it. And and out there, it's unfair to put you in that position. Right. It, it, based on the actual history you have with Jamar Tisby. That's just unfair. And, and again, right. this is historical. And, and Jamar and I have had our disagreements, probably not necessarily by like what is believed, but strategically and philosophically. Sure. How do you approach this particular situation? How do you approach that particular situation? But what I begin to realize is that I hadn't talked to this dude in 10 years, because it feels like yesterday, but I ain't talked to this dude in six years. I have no idea the context for why he made the decisions right. that he made. Mm-hmm. As a, as an outsider, right and now, I, I I have more. You know, it's understandable when somebody like asks a member of the Cosby Show, like, "What are your thoughts on Bill Cosby mm-hmm. situation?" It's like I haven't seen those people in twenty years, right. <laughs> right? And I'm like, I get it now, yeah, because like you don't know, yeah, you don't. You can work closely with someone for a certain number of years, but at the end of the day, if you're five years, ten years removed, that person's probably a completely different person right now, yeah. So unless you have a relationship with that person, and again, regard even if you do know, sometimes you just that ain't my place, bro. Why you want my opinion? But that's but you hit already. You already hit on it before. Is like, why do you want? Yeah. And I have to and I have to start checking people, and 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 not giving because it's that Pharisaic track, right? Mm-hmm. Like like what do you believe? Like should should a man work on the Sabbath or if a man finds it, you know right. they ask Jesus all these questions and yep. instead of letting them define the terms yep. or set the terms Jesus is like you know you don't get to set the terms nope. I'm, I'm not a, I'm gonna answer the question you should be asking yeah, or at, I'm gonna make I'm gonna redirect the whole conversation and ask you a question yes yes or I'll just start bending down and drawing on the ground because some questions are just bad questions there there are no bad questions yes there are. Yeah, but there's the intent behind. Right. That's what they de- that's what Christ is depicted as having the ability to do is discern the intent. Yeah. So maybe a good way to say it, there are no bad questions, but there are questions with bad intentions. I'm one hundred percent. And there are bad questions, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But but I But in general, kids, like ask questions. Just know the context in which you're asking them and yeah. make sure you're asking the right person. That's those it. questions. You know who you're asking the question. Yeah. I appreciate you going the personal route there, man, because anytime you speak publicly at this point and offer commentary, there may be that undertone 
that you're positioning yourself on the opposite end of the spectrum as Jamar based on you guys' personal history. I was 24, 25, 26 years old, bro. You can evolve. I'm, you, I'm, life changes you. Life, yeah. life expands your perspective and all of that. But and I think my wife has really helped me with that because, you know, she wrote her first book when she was like 18, 19 or something like that. But, and people are always asking her to give account for that. And it was like, do you believe the stuff that you believe when you were 18, it's 19? It's crazy, bro. Like, I, 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 ain't, I ain't even got no energy for none of that stuff. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I like to lead with, yo, you remember how crazy I was? Exactly. Back in those days, exactly. like, you know, I didn't know what I was talking about. You know, one of my things my dad used to say to me all the time that drove me nuts is, in response to all my zeal about what should be emphasized and what the gospel is and what doctrine is, all different stuff, he used to look back at me and say, live a little longer, son. And just left me standing there. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, nah, man, like you don't know. Okay. Now I have lived a little longer and I love that response. Mm-hmm. But to to your point, like just about y'all's relationship, man, any kind of public platform you sit on in this podcast that we're doing, for some people, the perception is it's it's in response to or in contrast to what past the mic is and what the witness is. It's it's not the it's if you don't like that then you come to go where philip holmes go goes you might not like this either but that's the thing is like you don't get to you don't get to decide that it's not on your terms right right. and so for at least as far as i think we're concerned this is not about contrast this is about what complements this is a part of the whole discussion Mm -hmm. we complement what they offer i mean we both love tyler burns and jamar tisby Mm -hmm unequivocally you know I, I still feel like I'm cool with both of them and I, I feel like they would say the same thing so it's it's something that gets added to the conversation yeah. rather than creates a new one yeah you know yeah, and I mean even after the leave loud episode by the way I reached out to Jamar and we got a chance to talk for the first time we had a, we had a zoom conversation probably within a week of me reaching out and it was it was good bro like it was good to catch up we probably could have dove deeper but like after a while when time has passed and memories got conflated it did bring it did bring some memories back kind of the beginning of me making sure that even you know because i read the biography of malcolm x right and i'm like this is as accurate as malcolm's memory yeah and his interpretation of the events right this is still from his perspective an autobiography is going to be biased Mm -hmm. and is going to paint if i write an autobiography on myself it's probably going to paint me in a positive light i'm not going to intentionally you don't even have to intentionally yeah you're just almost you're just always willing to give yourself the benefit of the doubt yeah man right yeah and you're always willing to be more gracious right Mm -hmm. if we can treat other people the way that we treat ourselves that sounds like the bible yeah wow Wow. you know (laughs) look at that love your neighbor as you love yourself I really appreciate you just kind of taking that 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 vein, that personal vein to to address. I don't know if it's an elephant in the room, but it just needs to be on record. Most people don't even know. I I, I got so many because when that Leave Loud episode came out, I got so many text messages that people were like, "Oh man, I didn't even and like even from people within the RTS system." I had no idea you, you guys were that corrected. I mean, connected. So a lot of people might not necessarily know that connection. A lot of people do who've been you know who've been on on ever since you know. 2014. Well, they mentioned you in the... He mentioned that's you why. In, the, in the league. Exactly. Wow. That's why all of a sudden everybody was like, yo, I didn't even yep. know. And, yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah. but that that just shows his character and his integrity and, and ultimately the spirit of what we're talking about, what Malcolm says, yeah. is that we're aligned. We are working together. There's a greater purpose. There's contributions that come from all sides. So... 
This is our last episode of this season. I think it's a perfect way to end it, you know, like on a personal level and actually look at an, an example that I think other people can view, you know, as a vital part of the development of the black Christian voice in our society as we continue to try to revisit our identity and our contributions to the gospel witness, you know, and, and no pun intended. Shout out to the witness. I, I wrote some articles for them, too. So we love y'all. We love the different other resources that we've mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, and this is our attempt to offer some contributions to the broader conversation. And, you know, this episode, this episode is the culmination of that. I know this season for some may have sounded like a lot more political and we're, but this is the nature of addressing content from Malcolm X, you know, like he wasn't going to skirt along the outside edges of He's an activist. So yeah, you, man, I mean, if, if and he feel, died for if it. If you feel like this was really political and, and you didn't necessarily like it, you know, this may not necessarily be the podcast for you because it's, it's Malcolm. He's not moving. He's not shying away. He died for this. We're going to have to talk about these yes. things, but we're going to try to bring what the scriptures have to say about these things. Right. Yes. Uh, and Malcolm is the uh, starting talking point uh, for us to dive deeper into these things. So I, I think his, I think it's lovely. I think it's, it's good. And this is one of the reasons why I thought that you could do a whole podcast 100%. On, on Malcolm X quotes. Yes. And and because there's so much gold here that mm-hmm. we haven't even begun to mine. Oh, yeah. We, this is just the beginning. We're just getting started. So, man, it's been a pleasure, dog. I love that we were able to to come together and do this again. As, as long as you guys keep listening and as long as you guys keep telling us that this is helpful and this is beneficial... We're going to keep coming back, and we'll, we'll give you a year or two on it, and then we'll come back next year and do another episode. Listen, y'all. And we, and we get inspired and do some bonus episodes throughout the fam, year. Fam, listen, there are different ways to explore this content. So just keep a lookout. Just stay in tune with the journey, and um, you know we'll continue to do our best to be thoughtful and honest and at the same time devoted to Christ and his gospel. Amen. All right, you're going to do the altar call and give us the, oh, man, the, no. uh, it's the, the commercial, the, the, outro. the benediction. No, yeah, <laughs> altar call. I'm going to make you do it next season. Every single episode next season, you're doing it. Thanks for tuning in to Make It Plain. For more resources related to Malcolm X, please visit our website, makeitplain.co, where you can subscribe to the show at Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Radio Republic, Google, or via the RSS feed. If you'd like to do, get your podcast that way and never miss a show while you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate you rating us on Apple and Spotify. Our goal is 300 ratings. Hopefully we are already there by the time this episode goes live and 100 ratings on Spotify. You can also share the podcast with a friend. While you're on our website, remember, we got a bunch of resources on there. The Make It Plain Season 1 Discussion Guide. Season 2 Discussion Guide, if it's not already out, it's coming soon. And so many other resources, just check out that. That's the place where we're going to be constantly keeping you up to date, adding new resources, transcribing stuff. That's going to become a resource for you if you want to keep having this conversation throughout the year. Join us next year (laughs) or join us for the next bonus episode. Whenever we do another bonus episode, make sure you tune in for that one and we will see you then. Peace. Peace.